Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com, the CIA at South by Southwest. We've got that story plus galvanizing public unrest with a watershed event in Venezuela. But first, James, I think a few interesting kind of important elements to maybe kind of add to the table setting here of segment one, if you will. I talked about it this morning on my morning show today as, as we come to you. March 13th is the actual anniversary. But a little plan called Operation Northwoods turns 57 years old this week. That was the plan, of course, of false flag terror events to get Cuba into war, to blame it against Cuba. So we've got Operation Northwoods birthday and also this interesting kind of Boeing military industrial complex kind of battle between America's next top president and and, and essentially the, the military industrial complex. CNBC says, here's how investors can gauge Boeing's stock trajectory following the Ethiopian airline crash. A rather disgusting look at, of course, always, you know, ne- never letting a crisis go to waste. That even in addition to your own work on false flags over Kashmir, the prelude to World War III. So with all of those stories going on, a lot of international intrigue, we also look at this. Netanyahu's chances of evading corruption charges waning, opponents teaming up against him, so it's time for war. Much like Lee Camp actually says about Operation Northwoods, it's a funny thing about guys who are willing to blow up their own citizens, you don't want to see them grumpy. Israel continues to pound Hamas targets. They essentially look like they did this all last weekend, as if that was the beginning or the end of it. In retaliation for cross-border attacks from Gaza, as the IDF carries out a very vigorous response against the militants ordered by Prime Minister Netanyahu as he gears up for his re-election. So that's the way RT puts it. AP takes a slightly different tact, but essentially the, the same Same angle, I guess. Netanyahu campaign draws accusations of incitement. When Netanyahu has run into political trouble in the past, he's lashed out at the media, the political opposition, and Israel's Arab minority with incendiary and divisive language to galvanize his nationalist base. Ahead of April 9th elections, Netanyahu has zoned in on prominent Arab lawmaker Ahmad Tibi. They're saying BB or TB. It's got great, you know, just ad campaign advertising slogans and junk. The Israeli leader slumping in the polls after the dramatic announcement of his pending corruption indictment is portraying TB as a threat to national security in a charged campaign that critics say questioned the loyalty of the country's Arab citizens. James, we've noted it many, many times, and generally most misleaders from any regime around the world, when they start to get cornered is when they get really, really dangerous. James. Yeah, exactly my thoughts when it comes to this story. Cornered animals are always the most dangerous, so it is definitely a time to have our fullest attention on potential for warmongering or scaremongering in that part of the world. And I did cover this story in What in the World is Happening This Week in my newsletter a couple of weeks ago, where I did sarcastically question, I wonder if 9-11 is going to come up as a subject at BB's impending indictment uh, slash trial for bribery. I'm assuming it won't, but wouldn't it be interesting? Well, anyway, yes, with all that going on, and then, of course, in India with an election campaign for Modi coming up and all of the craziness unfolding in Kashmir, as I noted in my article on that that you pointed to there, false flags over Kashmir, this is an exceptionally important part of the world that is not getting the attention that I think it deserves at this particular juncture, as it, uh, as Kashmir, of course, geographically rams together three nuclear powers that have all been at war with each other in recent living memory. Um, and the ever, ever present specter of war is there. 
exacerbated by the fact that Uncle Sam is now hanging over India's shoulder, encouraging him with little whispers in his ear. Oh, it's not the Asia-Pacific, it's the Indo-Pacific. You're going to take on China. We're right behind you guys. Uh, which is always a very worrying um, uh, sort of uh, rhetoric to be throwing around in a situation like this. So that going on. And then, yes, as you say, the Boeing story making a lot of headlines. Uh, And I will note on that point, of course, I'm not an aeronautics engineer. I'm not a pilot, so I won't pretend to comment on that aspect of it. But I did find extremely interesting the unfolding drama regarding Ethiopia's decision to try to find basically anybody. Uh, In this case, it's going to be in Europe, probably, but not the U.S., to examine the black boxes of the uh, the Boeing that went down because, as um, uh, former corporate report guest Michael Krieger of Liberty Blitzkrieg notes in on Twitter, the black box response from Ethiopia, i.e. looking for someone in Germany or the UK or France to look at the black boxes, but not sending them to the US, says so much about where the world stands today. Nobody trusts the US anymore, and for good reason. We are very clearly in the twilight moment of US empire. That's it in a nutshell. That's the story in a nutshell. Who on earth is going to trust the US to do an actual independent examination of these black boxes and get to the root of it, given what we know about the incestuous relationship between the US government and the FAA and Boeing? They're all on the same team. They all want to cover this up as easily and quickly as possible. So, um, and, and everyone sees through it. So I thought that was an interesting aspect of the story. Well, and you, and you just brought up a couple of minutes ago, the, the specter of 9-11. You know, and I talk about doing this day in history on the morning show all the time. Just it's, it's never not just a fascinating look at these same characters, these same events, even on a more esoteric level of just the numerology, the name games, the twilight language, all those sorts of sinks that happen just again and again and again. James, I, I think I saw something even just earlier today, not not fast enough to or, or more recent enough to get it into this show notes, but something, an, an update about that 9-11 grand jury story that keeps kind of going. So we'll, we'll have to, names, yeah, we'll throw a link in they, for that. Yeah. Okay, I, that's all I saw. I only only got to see the headline earlier. Thank you for for helping flesh that out. So, all these specters of of false flag events kind of hover over the first whole segment there, James. So it'll hover over our second segment this week as well. U.S. regime change blueprint proposed Venezuelan electricity blackouts as watershed event for galvanizing public unrest. This coming from thegrayzone.com, a September 2010 memo by a U.S.-funded soft power organization that helped train Venezuelan coup leader Juan Guaido and his allies, identifies the potential collapse of the country's electrical sector as a watershed event that would likely have the impact of galvanizing public unrest in a way that no opposition group could ever hope to generate. The memo has special relevance now today as Guaido moves to exploit nationwide blackouts. What are they now into the sixth or so day? caused by a major failure at the Simon Bolivar hydroelectric plant at the Guri Dam, a crisis that Venezuela's government blames on U.S. sabotage. So this little this little paper was authored by someone named Sidra Popovich. I'm probably mangling that, but everything we say and play always included in the show notes. For the Center for Applied Nonviolent Action and Strategies Canvas, because you've always got to have a clever acronym. They're a Belgrade-based democracy promotion organization funded by the U.S. government that's trained thousands of U.S.-aligned youth activists in countries where the West seeks regime change. This group reportedly hosted Juan Guaido and the key leaders of his popular will party for a series of training sessions, fashioning them into a Generation 2007 
determined to foment resistance to then-President Hugo Chavez and sabotage his plans to implement 21st century socialism in Venezuela. James, so this goes back. This is a 2010 memo, September 23rd, 2010, to be precise, canvas analysis of the situation in Venezuela. We will include the links to what is the entire memo in PDF form. So, James, see if you can help me out here. So, basically, there was this project that wrote a paper about how a catalyzing catastrophic event is necessary for regime change in Venezuela, especially if it's the power grid. Yeah, exactly right. So I hope people will go to the Gray Zone Project to read that article in its entirety. They flesh it out and put all of the details in there so that you can get more of the the sort of the bigger scope of what's being said here. Yeah, exactly what they were wargaming out uh, just happens to be taking place during this regime change operation. So um, people who are interested in that, please go and read that uh, that article. I hope that Canvas will be ringing a bell for people in the audience. I hope that people remember that name and, and uh, Propovich and his, uh, his past. But for those who don't, I'll throw a link in the show notes into a article that um, William Engdahl wrote a couple of years ago about CIA-backed color revolutions revolving around Popovich and who originally came to attention uh, founding a Belgrade political student political activist group called Otpor, which then he rolled into Canvas that became this kind of regime change operation specialist for non-governmental actions uh, when they're needed, i.e. when the U.S. government needs arm's length to implement a regime change. Um, so there's a, a, a ton of information in this article that you can start digging into if you're not familiar or want to refresh yourself on Otpor and Canvas and how they roll and what they do. But uh, And if for people who want the sort of the bigger scope of what is being suggested here, I would suggest they go back to episode 338 of the Corporate Report, NGOs are the deep state's Trojan horses. This is how it rolls. This is how it operates. We're seeing it play out in on every level in Venezuela right now with this, the aid convoy and all this this nonsense that they're putting out, and and now with the the blackouts, it's just on every level they're attempting to get this regime change operation rammed through. But as some people are noting, they haven't been very successful in Syria yet, and they haven't been successful in Venezuela yet. Uh, they've been going for two de- the better part of two decades now trying to get regime change in Venezuela, and it hasn't happened yet. So it looks like Uncle Sam may not be as omnipotent as he likes to believe. Well, it does seem like, and I think we've been hopeful these last several years, that false flags don't fly anymore, that we've kind of broken that for people out in the public. And again, even average normie folks have heard this idea now, and they now know it, and in a lot of ways it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. Hopefully it doesn't work anymore. Meanwhile, you've got insane U.S. Congress critters like Marco Rubio just calling for just active unrest and overthrow. Just essentially. Who, uh, by the way, that's one of the things in this article people should read. Uh, Rubio managed to tweet out 18 minutes after this blackout first started. He tweeted out that the, the backup generators have failed. It's down before apparently the Venezuelan government had even confirmed that for themselves. How did Rubio get that and was tweeting it out before the Venezuelan government even knew? <laughs> probably the same way the cats from the clinton news network were sitting outside roger stone's house waiting for him to get busted again we don't play the left and right game we've been making new world next week for nearly 10 years and we'd appreciate your support james i think uh you know the intelligence agencies maybe hover over this entire episode as we move into our third and final segment on this new world next week episode 368 hey, tay tay swift does it at her big concerts you know, scanning retinas and running biometric collections. So why not 
at things that like used to be about music. <laughs> NEC scans EYEs at South by Southwest in what can only be described as revolting. Makers of facial and iris recognition cameras set up an exhibition booth at the film and music conference in America's heartland. It's called South by Southwest. So the question, why would a facial recognition company set up shop at South by Southwest, which celebrates the convergence of interactive film and music industries, call it passive propaganda or outright brainwashing or call it whatever you want, but the one thing is certain, it takes a lot of guts, a lot of chutzpah, if you will, for a company that makes a living out of identifying everyone to try and convince the public that we're having fun together and having a communal experience as NEC themselves write. From March 10th through the 13th, NEC will host an innovative exhibit, CODE, C-O-D-E, that converts the unique biometric information obtained from the irises of a person's eye into graphic patterns. The expression of these patterns is different for each person and represents the individuality and diversity that people naturally possess, as well as the beauty of these differences and the potential of biological information, James. It really fills my heart there. So if you don't mind letting the NAC create a beautiful biological database, then head on over to booth 923 at South by Southwest and basically say hello to Big Brother. So, James, I again, I didn't call it media monarchy for nothing. I generally come from a media background. So a lot of the work that I do, I want to expose sort of the, the inner workings of the entertainment industrial complex. So another angle of, of some of the cats that are that are at South by Southwest, they live tweeted the Oscars recently. The CIA, one of the articles, the coolest thing about the Oscars that you probably missed, the CIA's live tweets. So the CIA had a presentation at South by Southwest, CIA secrets to creative problem solving. So as you might imagine, I've been ranting about this for quite some time. I get kind of bummed out when formerly kind of cool indie music festivals just overtly turn into military intelligence driven propaganda festivals. So case in point, I'll include the links to some tweets from the previous months as South by Southwest was already starting to roll out the hype, of course, in weeks ahead of the actual event. John Bonner at South by Southwest 2019. And even as it kicked off, former Boeing mechanic. See, it comes full circle. It's all a rich tapestry. Bill Nye, former Boeing mechanic and sketch comedian, he teamed up with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and they teamed up at South by Southwest. James, kind of, again, it, it kind of makes me ill as a music fan. That's, that's pretty much it, I guess. Yeah, but you got to hand it to them. It's perfect propaganda because it's targeting an audience that is certainly not, does not have their screeners up for propaganda. The, hey, I'm just going to a music festival. I'm just here to have fun. Oh, look at this. What's this cool new technology? It's targeting the hipsters, the cutting edge, of course. And it works to, ab to normalize the abnormal. And, oh, you know, face scanning and everything. Oh, it's the, it's the technology of the future. So when it arrives, say, at the airport you will be fully 100% ready for it. Oh, what's this also coming out in the news right now? U.S. rolling out biometric ID exit program in top airports nationwide with full implementation expected by 2021. Yes, brand new documents from the Electronic Privacy Information Center, 346 pages of documents obtained by Epic, are now reporting on uh, the plan to roll out biometric entry exit procedures in 20 top U.S. airports by 2021 as part 
of the directive signed by President Trump, better known as the Muslim ban. Remember that? Remember how at the time a few people were noting buried in there is, oh, this there's got this biometric entry exit screening procedure thing that, that he's outlining in here. Oh, well, let's, let's concentrate on the Muslim ban. Oh, well, here it comes. It's coming to the airports near you. They are going to face scan you, retina scan you, do whatever they want in terms of taking your biometrics. Uh, that's going to be the new entry-exit procedures of the future, and you'll be ready for it because you went to South by Southwest and saw this cool new technology that we're rolling out there. So, James, to maybe smash together all these things I, I love and hate all into one, I am actually heading out next week to a different music festival. I actually have Media Monarchy press passes to go to something called Tree Fort up in Boise, and it is actually... A, a music festival. There will also be comedians there and some film and actually an ale fort. And generally speaking, not a bunch of creepy CIA contractors and things there. Let's hope I'm, I'm basically getting in on the ground floor before it turns into some other giant event. Yes, I will have to fly there as well. I actually, for better or worse, the little tiny airport down here in Santa Fe is actually really small and doesn't really have much of any big technology. The push coming, of course, hey, you guys, if it's going to be a growing city, you're going to have to install all these new great things because all the people, you know, all the hipsters from Portland are all moving here. You're going to have to up the technology. So, James, actually, for any folks that are in Idaho or in the Boise area, Media Monarchy will be at the Tree Fort Music Festival next week. So that deprogramming note, we will not be on the air for another neural next week. I'm sorry that kind of makes it to basically... I think we can get two neural next weeks uh, put on in the month of March. Let's, I hope. Well, it happens that way sometimes. Anyway, I hope people will be tuning in for uh, for that uh, coverage, which I assume you're going to be covering it for Media Monarchy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, actually, and I've, and I've even got a, a friend as well who who he'll have a pass as well. So there'll be two of us running around and talking to bands and. Awesome. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if we run into lots of places where it's like, oh, you're that weird news guy that's always tweeting about me. We'll see, we'll see if any of that happens. We'll see if your <laughs> reputation precedes you. Well, at any rate, we will be back in a couple of weeks, so I hope people will stay tuned for that. James, thanks for the uh, stories today. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care.